that's really excellent to hear you say that because that's that's definitely what I try to achieve. It's mm-hmm. what it's what you hope to do. And and in certain cases, people are in a lot of pain, and that pain is a pain is a dictator. You know, it's like I have to solve this. Like, I can't do anything without. Yeah. But once you get once you, you know, get that squared away and help and help with that, there's so much. Um, I mean, you're you're a good example of somebody who is not necessarily in the bell curve. You're more of an outlier because you, <laughs> you, 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 I'm a little crazy. You trained yourself. <laughs> I'm a little yourself. obsessed. <laughs> you have a good handle on, yeah. on, um, on what to eat. How, I mean, you exercise probably, you, if anything, you could probably recover more, you know, that's, yes. pro- that, yep. so that, that being said, it, it's, it's fun to watch people like change their mindsets. So mm-hmm. if, if, and that, and that's what I think, uh, especially those in private practice, chiropractors, nutritionists, functional medicine doctors, whether they be MDs, DOs, uh, the more we can collaborate and, and create, you know, group atmosphere and community. Because I, I think, I feel like I've heard that one of the, the most um, potent ways to improve health is to put two people together who are both you know both struggling with this with the same thing mm-hmm. and have them and, and have them stay in communication mm-hmm. it, it's a really they've 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 done different like you know anthropological studies and different clinical trials where they do that and time after time those people that have that support and have that additional accountability and feel like they're part of a community have those community ties whether the community be the, the clinic or you know a combination of um yoga studios gyms it really is effective mm-hmm. at at um i don't know if it's just, i don't know what you think i don't know if it just gets people more builds gets them more motivated if it's accountability or if, if it's just a different energy being around yeah. people that are driving the same could be i think just having a support system mm-hmm. and if you don't have that in your in your own life finding a connection or people who are going through similar things as you and sure. you can kind of be a a sounding board and vent to one another is it's a big difference maker as a competitor i know when i'm on prep uh, i have plenty of friends who compete too and when you're feeling your lowest you kind of know who you can hit up for a text if you just need a little like pick me up or yeah. <laughs> just am i losing my mind or or is this you know is this a problem is this something i should be worried about sure um, that type of thing. So yeah, that, that makes sense. I have somebody I to commiserate heard, with. Yeah, or... I haven't heard that statistic. No, but that makes complete sense. No, I, and I'm very lucky that I have girlfriends that compete too, because when I do feel like garbage or I just need someone to vent to, I can text them and, you know, put a disclaimer. Hey, I'm just having a terrible day. I need someone to vent to, but this happened to me. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I'm trying not to cry at work or, you know, just, just kidding. That never happens. I'm an emotional, um, <laughs> emotional roller coaster no. right now. Yeah. Um, no, so far, so far this prep, I've been really good. But um, yeah, I think just having a support system is huge. And not everyone is lucky enough to have that in their personal lives. I think our spouses, our friends, um, our family members, a lot of times when you do try to take ownership of your health, if they're not doing that already or if that's not part of part of your support system of their lives it can almost be a, a detriment or it can make it, it can be an obstacle to actually getting in better health because if your spouse all of a sudden is questioning like why are you why are you working out more why are you trying to eat healthier why am um, i cooking multiple dinners cuz yeah, you're not number, eating the same you know thing. there can be there can be a lot of reasons for that i mean number 1 it's like i don't i don't want to do what you're doing i want to stay eating the foods i like 
I don't want to change anything about my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get up early and go to the gym with you. I think there at times can also be a concern about like, oh, why are you getting in shape? Or you, you feel like you're too good for me or something a little bit there. Yeah. Um, I've seen that with, with couples. Um, and I also think too, you know, just people can feel judged by your choices, believe it or not. Um, anytime now I've, I've gotten so much more in tune and aware of people's intent when they communicate to you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will make comments where they're, it's a backhand a compliment or something like yeah. that. Like, oh my gosh, wow, you know, you, you work out a lot. It's like a full-time job or, you know, or something sure. like that. Something like that where it's very clear it's, it's not actually a compliment or something. And really it has more to do with them and their own insecurities because they in some way may feel like they're being judged or they're not good enough because they're not doing what you're doing. Yeah. There's that um, psychic like measuring stick where they're trying to understand like, yeah, how do I feel about this? And then it's projected, yeah. projected onto you. And- yeah. And, and I'll get that especially right now. Things are pretty normal. But I'll be honest, when, when you get down really, really stage lean, we'll be there in maybe, I don't know, four, four to six weeks. We'll mm-hmm. be getting close to that people just come out of the woodwork at the gym when they see you. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it can, and it can be awesome. They can be like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. Tell me what you're doing, please. Sure, sure. And it can also be, wow, you've lost a lot of weight. Hmm. You, look, <laughs> you look like a skeleton. I've gotten that too. Uh-huh. And in fairness, maybe I did. But um, yeah, so just in general, anytime you try to make a lifestyle change, people will give their input and, and can make you know, unfortunately, their friends, family members, spouses feel like they're making a, they're doing a bad thing by trying to take ownership of their health. So if mm-hmm. you don't have a support system, it's, yeah. it makes it that much harder. It's definitely a barrier. Like you said, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of those types of barriers that you have to traverse if you're going to um, take over control of, of your health. And it, it starts with eating and sleeping and you know, changing the structure, changing your habits and, mm-hmm. and, um, finding out your why. Otherwise you'll just, you're just going to fall off the yeah. wagon and kind of yo-yo. And we see a lot of that. And, and it's also, there's, there's so much, I mean, we didn't have the internet a long time ago. Now there's just mass amounts of information and it's, it's never this balanced, you know, both sides have even play. It's just super polarized who knows what's what? Everything's a conspiracy. You know, people almost, when you start talking about diets, for example, you say the word ketogenic and people are already like, don't even mention ketogenic diet again. I'm so <laughs> sick of hearing it. Like, I'm not, like, they don't even want to, they'll make or, an excuse to not diet. Or they'll be like, oh, you're going on a diet? You're doing keto? You're doing keto, yeah, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you get that too? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, abs- it's the trendy absolutely. one right now. It's it's always, oh, so it's, it's, it's. Back or right now, it's plant-based and you know, and keto and carnivore. Those are the at least that's what it seems to be, mm-hmm. be trending. And all of them, you know, have some merit. But it, there's bio individuality. We have to you have to figure out what works for you, and you have to do you have to experiment with it. And then every so often, you know, check back in with not the mainstream sensationalized headlines, but the people that are doing the research and look at the design and look at the actual data, not the headlines, because otherwise you. You know, otherwise you think meat causes cancer. You think that, you know, the world is going to hell in a handbasket if you don't, you know, have 17,000 um, servings of, of greens or a green smoothie a day. You're a bad person. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it just, it just, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I, Joe Brogan always talks about, you know, just, just cut the BS. And 
if you want to eat a certain way, like don't be a zealot about it. You know, explain why yeah. it works for you. It's yeah. not a, it's not a religion, um, but dieting and and even you know different uh, protocols of of, of uh, training regimen. People tend to like just be like it's this or it's this or or nothing else. Yeah, which is which when really a lot of it is just it's what they like the most. Right, right. And that's yeah. I think I think the more time I've spent in fitness and the more advanced I've gotten personally and professionally, the more open-minded I've become because you got it. You have to do what you like. Number one for exercise, you have yep. to do what you like, or you just won't stick with it. So everyone has the things they like, whether it's CrossFit or powerlifting or bodybuilding or. Pilates, Zumba, like people, people will do what they like. That's what they're going to recommend. Yeah. Because that's what they enjoy. Find something you enjoy for sure. Yeah. But even then with the food, I think I do agree with you. There's so much free information out there now that it can be overwhelming. You, you have the internet, you have social media, you have YouTube. You can go look up anything you want. And so it's sort of like, where do you start? But what I always recommend as a first step to people is just mm-hmm. cut out the processed food. Yeah. Just eat actual food you know whether you're vegan whether you're keto whether you're doing bodybuilding bro food only diet just cut out the processed food like eat the stuff that's on the outside of the grocery store sure you know the produce leave the the chemistry sets yeah that have all the fillers and and you name it who knows what else you know you want something sweet go have an apple and like a square of chocolate and and try to wrestle with the cravings a little bit like nobody nobody said it was going to be easy and I think a lot of times people do lack a little bit of discipline, but it's it's kind of putting it in perspective and, and like you said, finding your why. You don't lose weight. You don't get a six-pack on accident. There's a lot of intentional effort that goes into that. If, if losing weight was easy, we would not have these issues of obesity and all those associated issues like hypertension, diabetes. We wouldn't have those issues if it was that easy. So you have to understand, number one, that it's going to take some work if you want to really turn yourself around and you're in a bad starting place. And number two, you have to be willing to put in that work. So you have to identify and tap into what are your reasons for starting this. To you know, bolster your commitment. Exactly. Is it is it as simple as, oh man, I, I feel crummy all the time. Like I've got these achy joints. I have leaky gut. Um, I feel super anxious and depressed all the time. I don't feel comfortable in my body. You have to, unfortunately, you have to tap into those negative emotions. And what I also encourage my clients, because I do just general nutrition, weight loss coaching a little bit, um, you have to imagine yourself in that future place. Like, what does the future you look like? Mm -hmm. You get to decide that. And you can make it as, as extreme as you want. If you're, you know, 50 pounds overweight, imagine yourself at that, you know, size two dress size or however you look. Imagine it. Imagine how good you're going to feel. Yeah, a visualization physically, component. Physically, um, you know, just in your body, being pain-free, whatever it is, imagine how awesome that will be and contrast it with all of these negative feelings you have and really tap into that. And that's reminding yourself of that reason is what will help people, I think, make the transition. For me, I had my own period of time where... I got a little skinny fat after college and I just, I felt very uncomfortable. I didn't like where I was at Mm -hmm. and it triggered a big lifestyle change for me. And, and so I think you just have to be realistic. Like people who expect that it's going to be easy, you're, you're setting yourself up to fail because you're not being realistic. No, definitely. I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. It, uh, it, there's a lot of different ways to, um, 
fix people's health mm -hmm. and and that's that's the beauty of it yeah. is that you can come come at it with with different ways but there are some things you just can't get it get across you get the, the, the activity levels and um and and the physical act there's physical activity and and, and diet is just they're just the cornerstone mm -hmm. if you if you want to avoid you know pharmacy and sure and um all the other chronic disease lifestyle based diseases that were that you just walk down the street and mm -hmm. it's you know three out of five people ha have one or two of them yeah it's it's which is pretty incredible it, it is so what are what are some of the things that you would like to add to your practice in terms of dysfunctional medicine like are you going to try to offer food allergy tests or referrals to that or what is in your mind what does that look like yeah i, I think f it will be along the lines of maybe specializing in a, in a couple different areas. I think uh, hormonal imbalances, especially for women, is, is really yes. big right now. <laughs> um, I think that would be an interesting area, but that's gonna take some time to, to, to really, uh, to um, really get a, a solid grasp on that, you know, and understand the, 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 the best protocols. But there's some great functional medicine doctors that I would send patients to now, and. Um, that I'll probably lean on as resources as I, as I put that together, but hypothyroidism, uh, any sort of autoimmune disease, general, you know, malaise, whether it's you're just, I, I go to bed and I'm, and I'm an, I can't go to bed, I'm insomniac, or I wake up in the morning and I actually feel more tired than when I went to sleep. You know, mm -hmm. those sorts of things that with a little nutrition, with potentially understanding uh, the blood chemistry and what's going on physiologically and maybe like oats, the organic acid assays, and, and getting an understanding of where you may be deficient in some certain areas and in mm -hmm. the interplay there. What is that? I'm not familiar. It's, it's just a, it's a test to, to look at a whole host of different metabolic markers. Whenever you want to figure out like th that there's a dysfunction somewhere along the line, whether you have, a, like when you go to the doctor, a lot of times you get like a homocysteine score at least a lot of doctors will take mm -hmm. that and you don't want that to be too high because if you if you have high homocysteine then you have uh, a much higher rate of heart attack risk okay. card cardiovascular issues and usually that might you may test your b vitamins and it come back normal but there's metabolites that you can test and if those are high then you know you're actually probably deficient in in okay. one or more of those so just getting to using probably you know a handful, five or six different tests that give you a, a deeper understanding what's going on because there's so many people with you know metabolic syndrome and that includes all of the like, hypertension and, and, and fatty liver and insulin resistance. I think that would be a, a place to start mm -hmm. because you can do, you can make a lot of correction with just taking a, several tests, making some um, supplement, uh, doing some supplementation for them with the diet and then getting them a little more active. I think you can, you can really move the needle just by doing a handful of things. But people just need a guide or a blueprint Absolutely. and some scientific backing so that, that they understand why it is they feel that way and then they can move ahead and be compliant in, in doing that because they know you, you have their best interest and, and you're not just you know, shutting off the oil light that turned on. No, you're, you're actually fixing the leak. 
you know, yeah, identifying the cause of yes. identifying where the leak is or yeah, yeah. exactly. That's so, awesome. So that's it. Metabolic syndrome, hormonal imbalance. Yeah. I think that'll be a good, a good. Yeah. Point and for, for competitors, that. that's such a huge thing. I had several friends this year who had issues with hormone imbalances and, um, just getting down to such low body fats for a long time and being in a calorie deficit forever. Yeah. Extremely low fat diets and fats are, you know, the precursors to all your hormones, the building blocks of all the hormones in your body. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it can just wreck you. There's a lot. <laughs> PCOS is more prevalent. I see it. so many women come in with hypothyroidism. The obesity rates and even my a lot of my male patients is, is high. But I, I, I take heart in the fact that I've made suggestions to people and I've explained them and I've, you know, made recommendations on podcasts and mm-hmm. and um, different books. Like a, a really good book that I that I enjoy, uh, the Plant Paradox. Plant Paradox. Mm-hmm. It just talks about it's not. Like certain people are going to react badly to certain plants. Mm-hmm. For example, I, I grew up in Deliberato, lots of bottles, Italian. Most uh-huh. most people in, <laughs> in Italy, when they cooked their gravy or their sauce, mm-hmm. they took off the tomato peels and they deseeded the tomato because those parts of the plant of that tomato are really high in lectins. And lectins break down; they can they can act like little missiles and break down the mucosal linings, those tight junctions, oh. and cause leaky gut. Okay. So they didn't know that that's why they were doing it. They made the sauce that way because the next morning they didn't feel bloated or sick or it didn't mess with their GI tract. This is over thousands of you know years wow. of, of cooking something. Uh-huh. And so in that book, it's it gives you a lot of scientific information on some of these plant chemicals or compounds or that are actually anti-nutrients yeah. that you may react to yeah. and, and how to apply whether you're a vegan whether you're an omnivore mm-hmm. whether you're you know mostly meat keto mm-hmm. some practical interesting meal plans yeah. that you can utilize but again it goes back to your point sometimes you need to know what your what your body's going to react to yeah for me i mean one i just definitely read that um, cruciferous vegetables for me, I mean, those are known to just make people bloated. Mm-hmm. So, um, for me, that's definitely true. And a few weeks out from a show, I don't eat any of those right. because I'll see it. Or, you know, asparagus is a bodybuilder's favorite because it's a natural diuretic mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So very interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, and foods really foods can be used for you know, Dr. Mark Hyman at the Cleveland clinic. He's runs their ultra wellness center. It's all functional medicine. We're starting to understand, you know, all these, um, metabolomics and genomics and mushrooms do you know are an adaptogen and mm-hmm. they promote certain epigenetic methylation that makes you healthier and um, curcumin we you know people take it for inflammation but it actually can help boost your HDL so there's there's a lot of information people just need to see through all the false promises and see what they really need to be doing you know in conjunction with 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 more activity and diet and, it, and, it's, yeah. and it's really I, I feel like a lot of it is out there now 15 years ago, yeah. I would have been like, no way. People there's can't so make heads resources. or tails out of it. Yeah, there's so many resources. Or just I, I know people who have, uh, several people that have gotten food allergy tests and these very all-inclusive panels, not not like they were having something bothering them, but just they wanted to know, what mm-hmm. does my body react to? What does it, um, what does it like to eat? What doesn't it like to eat? And I think a long time ago, it would be really uncommon to hear people doing stuff like that. And, and it could also be a symptom of being in Southern California and people... Yeah. love health and yeah. love fitness and, and I, I feel like we're very lucky here because I also am from the Midwest so I know the alternative yeah, <laughs> where every restaurant is like Applebee's or Chili's uh-huh. and yeah you walk into a store and it's, it just feels like I don't know like you're blasted into 20 years back or something it's, a little it's bit yeah I hear people are 
I think here people in general do take more ownership of their health and they're just more interested in their health, but also it's the, it's the lifestyle and the yeah. weather and it all supports it. It's beautiful. The culture scape here is different. Yeah, it's beautiful, you know, 365 days out of the year. If it sprinkles a little bit, people are complaining about how much it's downpouring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I couldn't I couldn't go for my walk on the beach today because... Don't go for a drive in the rain yeah. in Southern California. <laughs> yeah, lots of accidents. Um but yeah, no, just in general, this is a very, very health-centered culture. And it's, I think, for competing, too, it's kind of the same same thing because there is so much emphasis on fitness. There are so many people that are competing. Social media has added to the popularity of that. A lot of these things in, in very young women, like being premenopausal after shows, um, that's a huge thing. Yeah, I've heard, so, I've heard of that. I'm not... That's good to know. I had my... So I did have my hormones tested last fall after I finished competing um, as part of this challenge we did at my work we prepared for a Spartan race and we had body fat percentages yeah. done and mine was at that point less than 10% so and you kind of went above and beyond I kind of freaked how... out and thought oh my gosh what am I doing to my body because I'd always kind of heard that for women 12% is sort of a level you never want to get below uh-huh. and so I had a panel just to make sure everything was okay and I was fine you know I'd gained a little bit of weight at that point because I was probably four weeks after I'd stopped competing but yeah I mean I feel like I it's something I need to make a regular habit from now on like even you know I should probably be doing blood work now and then maybe at the end of my season middle of the off season just to keep in mind like what what am I actually doing to to my organs to my hormone levels and really taking ownership of my health because I don't I don't think it's okay to just say oh yeah, you know my thyroid's off or my hormones off and just and not do anything about it and and my friends who have this they're they're definitely taking ownership because it's it's a serious thing but you need to know what's going on with your body especially if you're in yeah and your body will give you a little bit of leeway I mean it's it it can adapt you know there's Absolutely. homeostasis and there's allostasis but you just it's one of those things where you can't you know, you can't push the pedal to the metal for two, three months straight mm-hmm. because your body just doesn't have the physiological reserve mm-hmm. necessarily to do that without coming coming out of it on totally unscathed. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, throw throw some throw some of your your markers kind of out of out of whack because it is our bodies are we're, we're really dynamic systems. What you know, you can a lot of the like old notions have been thrown out. As far as like you know, dietary cholesterol does that. There's an inverse pattern when you eat you know fat and dietary cholesterol will change. And we know now like you can't just look at HDL and LDL. You have to do an NMR lipo profile to really understand that. You have to look at the the small LDL particles. That's more of a predictor. Cholesterol okay. alone is not okay. a very good predictor of yeah. you know. That's why you go in, you get that. one test, and you have high LDL, triglycerides are up, your HDL might be a little low. Like okay, statin. It's like no, you don't. You don't. That's mm-hmm. not scientifically. That's not really. Um, uh, a good idea based on your your risks. You know, there's a lot of side effects to to those drugs that we don't some that we don't even necessarily realize. And then if you're on other drugs, those interactions aren't studied. They don't do clinical randomized yeah, clinical too, trials where they're mixing drugs. Permu- there's too many permutations to you know. Okay, they put you on this drug and now you have a side effect. So now they're going to put you on this other drug, and then maybe you have some other little issue. So now you're on a third drug. And these companies, they're number one, they're not required. But number two be impossible to test all these permutations uh, of never bring it to different market. drug cocktails. Um, Wouldn't be ethical either. Yeah, I forget what the what the word for it is, but I took a toxicology class in grad school, and it's basically there are different ways that drugs can compound, and some they the effects are additive, Absolutely. some are subtractive, some it's like the effects are sort of unknown. Yeah. Um, you know, they can 
one drug can inhibit the effectiveness of another. Pharmacokinetics, depending on when you take the drug, yeah. it's it it it, it yeah, might be metabolized differently. So yeah, it's hard to really you know map that out and what what the overall outcome is going to be. So mm-hmm. it's it's um, but the, but the information is really cool. You talked about you know have a piece of have an apple or a piece of chocolate just the other day. I was watching a a podcast and there's this guy James Maskell who's pushing this evolution of medicine. And he's he's creating a cost health sharing insurance plan. You know, it's not going to be for everybody, but it'll give you access to um, functional medicine doctors in a network all mm-hmm. throughout the country. And uh, he had a guy talking about leaky gut. And so this is kind of, it was interesting to me because, you know, I did the carnivore diet just because I want, I just got, I wanted, I did plant-based for two and a half years and I just started to feel a little sluggish in the gym. I just, there was too many like objective findings for me that I wasn't happy with and I wanted mm-hmm. to change. And um, so I, I did that. And, and so for a while I was very, you know, no, no plants, no fruits, none of that. But, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, it's probably fine for a short period of time, but there needs to be some sort of cyclic reintroduction of those, of, of, of the healthy foods that have micronutrients and all yeah. that. Um, or but just some fiber. Fiber, a little <laughs> bit of fiber, yeah. For, yeah. So speaking of fiber, so... It, like Apple, you know, Apple Day keeps the doctor away the mm-hmm. whole thing. Well, they've they've done studies that look at where you take an apple, you chop it up, you boil it so that one third of the water is, you know, up to the, not covering it completely. Put some cinnamon in it, cook it for five to eight minutes, mm-hmm. and it gets really shiny. And that shine is the is the pectin, okay. that fruit pectin, the apple fruit pectin. Yeah. It's a protein, and, and and you do have some other fibers too in in the apple because you leave the peel on. But it, in the intestine, it creates something called um, intestinal alkaline phosphatase. And so when you do have this leaky gut and when bacteria are lysed in, in your stomach, they, they, they put out what's called these LPS, lipopolysaccharides. And, mm-hmm. I, and I forget who called it. Someone calls them little pieces of shit. It's kind of funny because <laughs> it's broken down yeah, like piece yeah. proteins from the bacteria. So that's kind of what that's it is. Right. <laughs> but it, that, the, the apple pectin or this, this intestinal alkaline phosphatase, just by taking two tablespoons of this applesauce, has a dramatic effect on the autoimmune burden from those. Oh. It, it binds like a hundred times, right? and I made. Wow. But yeah. so it's like a really simple thing. So I'm gonna have a ribeye steak, but before I eat my ribeye steak in the morning for breakfast, I'm going to mm-hmm. take my two tablespoons of uh, of the applesauce to help mm-hmm. dampen, you know, that inflammatory or that leaky gut permeability. And mm-hmm. that's like a simple trick. And you know, people have eaten applesauce for a long time, and we apple cider vinegars, you know, been big. Yeah. But that sort of research, I just find very interesting. Very interesting yeah. because it's practical. It's it's easy. It covers it. Like everybody can meet in the middle and say, "Oh, I'm getting some fiber. I'm getting this other you know component that's good. I've cooked it down a little bit, so maybe it's it's some of the other you know chemicals in the in the apple aren't." Are less harmful, mm-hmm. and then it has this synergistic effect. Yeah. If you're eating a high fat diet, which so many people are now with these fat bombs, and and, and, and so if you can, or just even they're not even on keto and they're yeah. just eating a high fat. Diet. Yeah, absolutely. With a lot of processed other junk. Yeah. But I thought I thought that was really that is cool. Really yeah, because it goes with the the old adage. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like oh that makes that makes a lot of sense, and it's not you know it, it's it's not super sensationalist to, to eat an apple, but it makes good good sense yeah and I always recommend that too for people who are trying to kick their sugar habits mm-hmm. um, when they're first almost detoxing themselves off of sugar because that's really how I think about it is yeah, it's hard to cut I've it. kind of admitted to myself you know I'm Laura I'm addicted to sugar um, 
so I don't let myself eat a lot of it because I just want more. And when I do find myself in a period of time where I've had a lot. Like processed, like added sugars, exactly. not, not fruits and yeah, no, no, no. Like if soda. I, if, or... I'm eating, if I'm eating junk, like let's say post-competition, yeah. I go a little too ham on some donuts or something okay. <laughs> after a day or two. And I'm like, oh, I need to reset. Yeah. I think apples are just, you know, just a piece of fruit. It's a great way to kind of help help yourself step down that sugar yeah and the sugar cravings it's mm-hmm. just have that it's actually you know fresh berries are so much more satisfying than you think yeah um, your taste you don't, need a, you don't need a piece of cheesecake all the time like every once in a while sure but it's you can you can definitely eat a lot healthier than you're probably willing to for most people and certainly. fresh fruit fresh fruit tastes great yeah certainly yeah so we talked a good amount about nutrition and stuff but what are what are some common themes that you see in terms of unhealthy movement patterns um i think there's a lot we do in our day-to-day lives that sets people up for that i again it comes to that there's that whole phrase like what's the what's the best position is the next position so whether it's like you know there was this rage about standing desks for a while Mm -hmm. it's actually better to have a combination of sitting and standing and again it goes back to having at least 20 minutes of you know brisk walking where your whole body is is Mm -hmm. moving but right now, with, with, with the commutes that we do and the, and the tech neck, it's the computer slump. It's the, it's the loss of um, the curves in the spine. Our necks, we lose this nice C-shaped curve yeah. we have, and, it, and yeah. it, it starts to, it, start, it, it will eventually totally reverse and look like a candy oh, cane. Gosh. Um, and then the, and then the upper back, the thoracic spine, the mid back starts to become stiff and the pelvis and the sacrum start doing weird things. So it's that computer slump. If we could, if we could, uh, just start moving more and, 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 you know, not everybody can get up all the time, but I think that's, that's one of the biggest, uh, impediments to posture that is over time going to manifest with painful Mm -hmm. symptoms. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, our body craves movement. It wants it wants axial compression. It wants us to be standing so that you know the the the, the, the trabecular bone in, in the vertebra starts to to thicken and build stronger because it, it it's the use yeah. it or lose it principle. Um, your your joints want full range of motion and and in that posture you start you, you know you probably heard lower cross upper cross. Yeah. It's just a you yeah. look at the front of the body and the back of the body, and certain muscles are inhibited and short, and others are lengthened. Mm-hmm. And over time, it becomes painful. And then when we try to move, we don't have full range of motion because we're not starting from a neutral position. Yeah, that is that is the biggest um, problem, posturally speaking. And then once the posture starts to break down, it's probably happening happening concomitantly. So there's a little bit of both going on. Then you start having you know poor movement patterns mm-hmm. where you're in a seat all day, you're driving, commuting to LA and back for two hours. Now your glutes don't even turn on. Your mm-hmm. hamstrings are, are, are short and they're pulling on your, uh, you know, on, you start to get like tightness in your hamstrings because mm-hmm. they're constantly in a shortened yeah. position. So your body, the patterns that you've, <laughs> you know, that you worked so hard on growing up from the time you start walking, you know, and, and then as those curves start to come into place, because they're not, you know, those have to develop, the lordosis mm-hmm. has to develop. You're, you start sending your brain these messages that, no, you know, we're in a different position right mm-hmm. now. And so those movement patterns start to degrade. Yeah. And it's and it's 
and we start to lose proprioception and then it starts to compound the sense of self where is that joint in space yeah 90% of like brain energy is is just understand is keeping us up against gravity it's all postural based you know and, and the motion the movement is really what what helps to push nutrients up and you know move the CSF fluid and and so that posture has just been extremely detrimental to that's why we have 80 to 90 percent you know back, back pain because muscles are getting turned off mm-hmm. when you when you um, stop using your low back muscles let's say you have an injury mm-hmm. and so you not, you're no longer taking that extension position and mm-hmm. you can't do pel- you can't tilt your pelvic your pelvis, your pelvis in both bowl. regions. Yeah. There's they they look at it with an MRI and you have what's called fatty infiltration. The body's like, well, we're not using these muscles. Let's throw some fat in the muscle fibers, and that doesn't really come back. Oh. So like that, that's why it's so important to have to when you have injuries that you don't baby them. No, you have, I mean you have to give it time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like po- treat it like post op. You didn't have yeah. a surgery, but it's, you had virtual surgery. Maybe we adjusted the low back to get mm-hmm. it back into place so that the body can heal mm-hmm. um, in in the best possible position yeah but that that is uh that all goes hand in hand sometimes it's it's hard to to um demarcate out like which happened first or what yeah what, what one... was the what was the true cause was it you know maybe the bad posture or an injury or did you, did you, do you sleep on one side where you've developed yeah. you know, where, you've, where you've closed the shoulder down and you lift one leg up and so now mm-hmm. your 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 pelvis is unlevel and rotated and you've done it a thousand times you know it's, it's that there's two different injuries there's the death by a thousand nicks and then there's that you know the trauma the, the trauma or the it's the mm-hmm. thousandth one-armed snatch you know kettlebell yeah. snatch and you're <laughs> yeah. like my shoulder you know has never felt the same yeah and, and that's that you see that in practice all the time mm-hmm. um so posture and movement patterns being able to to, to brace and tie things together we typically, we like to train in, in, in isolation, right? I did chest and back today. I, I did, and sometimes that, that's really good. But people like uh, Kelly Starrett and even Stuart McGill, they found out they'll hook your, your muscles up to EMG and they'll do an isolation exercise. Maybe it's the glute med. Um, it depends on what your baseline is, right? Maybe it's the, the lower erectors, but they'll, they'll progressively overload those areas and then they'll retest an EMG, and they actually show dysfunctional um, patterns in the muscles that are synergistic and surrounding it. So the oh, body's like okay. trying to understand. So that's why sometimes doing those those uh, compound motions are so important because you have to teach the body how to anchor and irradiate and activate at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because then when you go, because because you need to at least train some functional movement. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can be the you know you can look like carved out of you know the best Italian statue you can imagine mm-hmm. and you can bend over to put your kid in the car seat and they throw your back out yeah because you never trained the, the the spine to stabilize in those planes at, at the same time that requires to do that motion yeah so that that's sort yeah, of yeah even people who look like they're in great shape might have can have bad form or just bad form bad technique energy leaks yeah I'm I'm totally like I'll be the first one to admit I have terrible posture, or I think it's getting better. It's gotten a lot better. But you can't say um, that on here. <laughs> I can't. Say, no. Okay. So my posture is a lot better. What I say is I have tall girl posture. Um, that I think you know, growing up, I really quickly developed like the rounded shoulders or what can be called upper cross syndrome. Yeah. Just by being so tall so fast and 
there's a lot of women in my family who were tall and now we're like hunched over. And so a lot of the reason why I first started chiropractic, I do a little bit of physical therapy when I need it. Um, and my just interest in yoga is to work on these things like that. Um, I think I've for the most part worked on correcting it, but the anterior pelvic tilt or, um, sometimes called lordosis Mm -hmm. or also called duck butt or (laughs) where you just see a girl who has like a really high, high ass kind of Uh looks like they're sticking their butt out and their tummy kind of juts out. It's like they're tilting their pelvis too far forward, um, which is caused by a few things, but can lead to where you see people squat and their butt is kind of tilting a little bit. Yeah. Opens you up to some, some potential injuries for sure. Yeah. And even, even like the tech neck, I, I mean, that's one of the biggest things I want to work on because I actually do feel like my shoulders and my hips have improved a lot. Um, neck is harder to just make a a choice to make a choice to correct. But I do feel, I mean, especially now I have a lot more of a mind muscle connection back there that I don't think I ever had before. Mm-hmm. Like I can intentionally kind of bring my neck back. Yeah. Which you, <laughs> did, you know yeah. where you need to be. Yeah. Which I never, I never had like a year ago, two years ago. I didn't have that. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all really common. And so people will ask me sometimes, Oh, don't you, don't you just cringe when people are doing stuff with bad form in the gym? Don't you go talk to them? Um, now I don't really do that unless people ask for advice because you kind of never really know what, what someone's history is or what they may be working through. Somebody could have had this traumatic car accident and had surgery and has limited range of motion. And they're, you know, maybe it's their first month or first sure. couple times back in the gym. And so I never, now I'm really, like I said, I'm much more open-minded and non-judgmental now because you kind of never know people's journeys, but there's a lot you can, I think there's a lot you can do if you're in pain and there may be movement patterns you're unaware of that are setting you up for for things that you're experiencing or just, or maybe a lack of development in some areas too. You gotta look for lack of development and you have to look for those imbalances. And um, the biggest takeaway, and you don't have to figure this out on your own because some of it's intuitive, some of it's not, but whatever you are doing on a day-to-day basis, you have to figure out what's causing pain, how can you get out of that pain and and then make changes or take countermeasures to maybe buffer for that stress, right? So that's why, you know, when the chin is coming forward, we do the, we, we do the mm-hmm. chin tucks. That's why we work on thoracic mobility. That's why if you have back pain, your back's only giving you about five degrees of rotation right and left. The upper, the, the thoracic gives you about 30 degrees and then the hips another 15. So if your hips and your upper back aren't, you don't have rotational mm-hmm. capability, you oh, are you're shearing your back. back. Okay. So it's yeah. those sorts of things. And if you're, in a, if you're seated all day, then you after dinner, you have to get up and go walk for 20 minutes. You don't have to walk for eight hours because you sat for eight hours. Mm-hmm. The body can actually compensate pretty well, um, but you, you, have to, you have to start to do things that are, that, are, that are taking out or at least accounting for the stressor. So if you're at a desk and you're, and, you're, and you're bunched over, if you're sitting in a car and you're bouncing up, up and down, maybe you need to do some pull-ups and hang and stretch the lats and, yeah. and, and work on, do things that are going to help to um, resolve some of that adaptive shortening that you're getting in those muscles that have shortened because of your, your sedentary position or, or your posture. Mm-hmm. But I, that, that's like a big one. And there's lots of, of ways to, to do that, either you know, using resistance training, using mm-hmm. body weight. It just depends on what you're doing. You know? yeah. Like I said, you don't... You, can't ever a weightlifter um if you're golfers who are like who are look at tiger woods and and there's some other guys out there who are doing a lot of olympic lifts and powerlifting 
a lot of the spine experts say that those guys are going to, they're just waiting for the next big injury because you can't have that speed, that quick pulse. Like most mm-hmm. explosive athletes, home run hitters, uh, boxers, golfers, they can actually contract and release their muscles six times faster than the average person. Whereas like somebody who's big and who's doing body and, and who's got lots of muscle tissue, yeah, it takes a long time for all that muscle tissue to, to, to relax. They're not going to be as well suited for different exercise if they've trained Olympic lifting for 10 years, five years. Okay. So, you know, so you, you, you kind of got to stay in your lane a little bit and you got to make some decisions as to what you, what you want to do, what you enjoy. So I think that's important too. It's not, you know, I'm going to just be a jack of all trades and do everything. I mean, mm-hmm. with, with a reason, you know, if you want to go surf and you want to lift and you want to do some yoga, okay. But just know that you're creating certain limitations based on what, those muscles are conforming to, the, to what you do most frequently, mm-hmm. and so are the bones, and so are so is your neurology. Yeah. So wouldn't people argue that that might make you a better athlete, or that might make you more balanced if you're doing all those different types of things? When you're younger, there are studies that show you know you want to be more of a of a, of a cross trainer. Okay. You don't want to focus on one sport. Um, you may you may have like you know repetitive injuries. You're a tennis player. Now using you the same arm or same baseball arm, pitcher yeah. or something. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's what it, it's good for those guys to, to switch it up a little bit. But when you start doing very specific sorts of training, yoga inversions and like, you know, gymnastics or um, stretching or dancing or powerlifting or bodybuilding, I think you, it's, it's helpful. But if you're really, if you're the person who's doing that four to five times a week, you have to understand that there's trade-offs. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to be the guy in full lotus yoga if you're if you're deadlifting 445 pounds. Maybe you can, but those are the outliers. Like yeah, the general population. That'd be the general population is not <laughs> is not going to be there. Well, okay, you do see the bodybuilders on stage that will bust into the splits during their routines. I know. The, the, those yeah. are those are unique. Those people like need Unique to donate humans. their bi- their, their yeah. bodies to science so we can so we can study yeah. how they <laughs> how they manage to be such uh, you know genetic specimens. Yeah. Because that's just it's rare. You see it on Instagram. You know. You see yeah. Those or guys you think that, like there's no way you're that flexible being no. lifting but, so much. But, but some of those people too, they're damaged. Like they've they're they're gotten bulges in every single disc. Yeah. They're they're they're, they're one bad lift away from mm-hmm. a back fusion. You know because because their spinal cord is, is going to be getting pinched because there's something called like anterior listhesis where it can slide forward because the ligaments oh, okay. tear. So you, I mean, that's a, that's an extreme yeah. case, but yeah. you need to, you need to mix it up. But again, it, there's always going to be going to be trade-offs and you have to okay. kind of, I, I think if you want to mitigate injuries to injury free, it's, it's, uh, you can't go hard in everything. Okay. Is, is, okay. is my point. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Can't be can't be full time surfer and yogi and bodybuilder powerlifter. Yeah, I, I I think it's tricky. It's 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 admirable if you can try to do yeah. it. But. Yeah. Are there certain injuries or any any patterns you see with people that compete or injuries you think that bodybuilders are kind of predisposed to? Shoulder is probably the main one that. Okay. You know, you see non non competitors come in with you know frozen shoulder shoulder, but I think a lot of times you. Um, you can damage the ligaments. You can, you know, you get these slap tears. That's a lot of overhead athletes too. But mm-hmm. bodybuilders, you know, they're 
maybe they're trying to get that shelf on their chest and they don't have that naturally. Yeah. So they're just the volume that they're doing and the weight they're progressively loading and yeah. eventually the, the, the high loads over. And they're just trying to, they're trying to get huge shoulders too. Huge exactly. Round, huge round deltoids and, um, trying and then, to be symmetrical and, and have yeah. that, have the bulk. Yeah. And then on top of that, the, I think what your, your iPhone computer use pulls you forward so you're already in this position yep. where the chest is tight the shoulders are tight the lats are probably tight and they're all they're all rotation. Ooh, excuse me <laughs> they're all pulling on your rotator cuff right yeah it's it's um, putting a lot of stress on on those posterior muscles yeah. and some of the in, some of the external rotators yeah. external rotation the aren't the, the, the it's just a very mobile joint mm-hmm. so Again, trade-offs. You, it's, you're going to have great mobility with it, but it's going to be more predisposed. It's going to be predisposed to an injury if you overdo it. Yeah, yeah. I was actually telling this to so one of my new nutrition coaching clients. Um, he's on the older side and just basically looking to make a lifestyle change and a health change. Mm-hmm. And one thing we discovered along the way um, is he has you know shoulder limitations or a past past shoulder injury from um, you know sports, work, things like that. And I was trying to explain this to him that it's like you have all these big muscles that are really tight and they're all pulling on these little rotator cuff muscles that are kind of inside stabilizing the shoulder. And then on top of that, the shoulder is just a unique joint because it has so many more ways that it can move. It's structurally different from any other joint in the body. And then on top of that, if you add in something like, you know, bodybuilding, um, CrossFit, I think is one, especially it's kind of known for shoulder injuries. Yeah. Um, just because of the, the training style, sort of like maximum effort, maximum reps. Yep. A lot of the time, a lot of quick motions and external rotation and lifts, snatches, overhead, yeah, explosive pull-ups, the pull-ups, kippings. Yeah. Those are stuff like that can be really hard on it, but yeah. And I was just trying to explain this to him and explain it to him to try to encourage him to seek out a physical therapist or to seek out help with it. Start rewiring. Yeah, because, yeah, it was one of those things we didn't really, you know, I'll always ask my clients when I'm starting them out, you know, what previous injuries or health issues do you have? Mm -hmm. And that was one he kind of just, he's like, oh, I had so many that I just didn't think to mention that in particular. Yeah, they start coming out a lot. Yeah, but the reason I'm explaining that is trying to educate him to take ownership Sure. to go see a physical therapist and it's like okay we can work around this but you want to get in shape you need to be able to train your upper body like if you can't do a push-up you can't do any type of shoulder work you're going to be limited it's going to be a problem it's going to be a problem yeah and and so um yeah i always like to think about those things and i think one of your earlier points bodybuilders we can always be better about recovery too and <laughs> and focusing on making sure we're giving our tissues enough time to recover, doing the right type of like soft tissue work or or a little bit of yoga or, you know, foam rolling or, or whatever it is to, to try to improve. Yeah, something to attenuate all those stresses to, yeah. to, to, to help you with the with the recovery. You see a lot of herniations too and um, sciatic pain, low back stuff in, in sacrum and in, in figure athletes for whatever reason. Um, well, they do. They do a lot of back, back work. Mm-hmm. I think figure, especially like that's a big emphasis for them. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you can you can go too heavy, or you can just repetitive over time without the right recovery, or if if you don't have again come back to those movement patterns. If you're not bracing po- properly, things are yeah. frictioning where they shouldn't. Next thing you know, a tendon or you know or the muscles inflamed, and mm-hmm. so that 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 can happen. Too, definitely. Yeah. So big picture, we've talked about a few of these, but what are what are some things that you think people should 
do or could do in their everyday lives to try to keep themselves healthier, to keep their spine healthier. Um, we yeah. mentioned walking 20 minutes a day was mm-hmm. one of them. Spinal hygiene, I just think if you if we bring a little more awareness to it, nobody thinks about, I mean, maybe your posture a little bit, but for people aren't necessarily thinking about, I have you know 33 bones that are you know, structurally holding me up and serving as a foundation for my movement. I think if, if you just have to, you have to find an exercise, you have to find some exercise. There was used to be an old program called like body, um, body by science. And what they suggested was you do oh, yes. five uh-huh. exercises. Um, it's like bench press, shoulder press, row, leg press, and lat pull down. Mm-hmm. So like the five like basic staples and you do, you don't, count reps you just do them for 90 seconds Mm -hmm. so if somebody who's just getting started you have to find a a program where you can be build lean muscle mass so if you want to help protect your spine build lean muscle mass and and get that metabolism going it i'm not going to say you have to do a a particular type of workout but just find something that you can stick with that when the novelty wears off you know after the first two weeks you see it through for another six so that those results over the course of two months are enough to keep you motivated. Keep you motivated. Sustain you. Yeah, keep you motivated. So build, build lean muscle mass. Uh, watch your insulin. Make sure you're not insulin resistant or pre-diabetic because that creates uh, systemic inflammation in the body. And it's like I said, your spine is vascularized and so are your big joints. So you, you have that systemic inflammation over a period of time you're gonna have pain at different joints it's just it's kind of a law of numbers you know Mm -hmm. it's going so lean muscle mass understand your glucose walk um and i I do think there's something to meditation i I think calming the mind and, and, and creating a sense of idleness and body awareness and connection we are all stressed and overworked and disconnected and you know for a for a for a culture that is so connected in some ways it's it's almost a paradox we are we don't smile at our neighbors we don't say hi to people we don't have dinners with with each other we'd rather text or email or watch our stories (laughs) watch our instagram stories so those those four things and and then if you want to toss in sleep so lean muscle watch your, your your insulin sensitivity make sure that you're not diabetic as many people are um, they don't even know it. It's just there's you can look at some biomarkers and people have questions they can ask ask me about that, but I don't want to get into the weeds. But you can you can show that people are actually um, diabetic based on certain things before the A1C even elevates, and so there's a, there's a whole bunch of things you can look at, and then sleep, and then trying to de-stress through whatever way you can. If it's meditation, if it's mm-hmm. yoga, if it's you know, uh, wine night with, with the girls or, or, sure. or, or yeah. the boys, whatever it is, yeah. you have to just, and even just being more that. active, you might find a little, little stress goes away. Definitely. Yeah. You don't think about it as, as much. There's, you just have more, you gotta have a purpose, you know, and you have to feel, um, like you're waking up with, with a purpose. Uh, otherwise anxiety and depression and stress seems to elevate cause we're social creatures. So absolutely gotta have, be passionate yeah. about something. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what's what's next for you? What are what are some of your future goals? I, I like to like I said, the functional medicine. I'm I'm in the process of of enrolling in the uh, adapt 
certification program that Dr. Chris Crusher does. Okay. And so I'll have hopefully be starting that in, in, in October, and it's for tw- it's twelve months. So I look forward to to, to starting to roll that out. Um, and then I'd like to like right now I'm a, I'm a solo practitioner here, and so I would like to business wise bring on some. Uh, maybe a health coach or just collaborate with some other with some other health practitioners to make maybe some additional services optional you know whether it be nutrition or just some just so that I can focus on the diagnosis and the the adjusting portion but still cover some of those other lifestyle areas and then I'm in the process of building some content uh, it's going to be an email content um, a kind of like automated email thing where we, for 23 days in a row, you get emails based on, it's gonna cover everything from intermittent fasting to functional medicine to how to decrease stress to, and, you know, it'll be videos and links and um, podcast and book suggestions and anything that falls under the umbrella of, of wellness and then with a little bit of a chiropractic spin on it. So I'm hoping to, to have that um, up and running. Very cool. And that's kind of the kind yeah, of awesome. my, my, that's two, a lot. my two big goals. Yeah, no, yeah. those are great. Those are great. Sounds like you have a lot of exciting stuff come up. Um, well, I'm thinking we'll, we'll wrap this up. But before we go, how can people get a hold of you? How can they book an appointment with you? Sure. You can uh, find me at my website at spineandjointoc.com. And that's just spine, A-N-D, joint, O-C.com. I'm on Instagram as Dr. Nick, N-I-C-K, D-Liberato. Mm-hmm. I'll add links for okay. all this, too. So Perfect. So people, people go listen on the website there's a face, find it. There's a Facebook page for me. at Spine and Joint O-C. So if Perfect. you look up Spine and Joint O-C, I'm on, and you can go to my Yelp yeah. or, or um, I have a blog on my website, too, where I, where I put out some content from time to time. Uh, and feel free to call if you have questions by, you know, my number is on the website. And if you want to post that, I'm happy to do a phone consult. If you have, if, if your listeners or mm-hmm. people have just, just want to kind of hash out and see what, 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 what it is we do. And, mm-hmm. um, if they think that we can help them and. Yeah, no, my, my experience so far has been great. I, I forget when I first came in here, maybe at least like six months ago. Yeah, it's been six months. Yeah, sure. something at least. And, you know, I kind of came in proactively just wanting to work on my posture and wanting to avoid looking like some of the hunched over tall women in my family yeah. and, and just stay healthy and compete. And it's been amazing. And you're so knowledgeable about a lot of different areas of health. So I have nothing but positive things to say. And, and this has been great recording with you. So Thank you again for being on here today. Likewise, I appreciate the invite, and um, I, lo- I look forward to uh, hearing future episodes. Awesome. Well, that has been it for Bikini Things episode number 18. You guys, don't forget to go subscribe on iTunes so you get all the podcasts as soon as they come out, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at bikini underscore things. That's it. Thanks for listening.